with Aaron, Polly, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. <laughs> Where's Paul? I muted. <laughs> so, See, this is what happens when you don't get counted in. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> Wayne, keep going. Yeah, this is Wayne. <laughs> and I'm Andrew, and I missed him. Yeah, Tim, Tim's uh, off at Gen Con right now. I'm also so jealous of Tim. Why are you jealous of Tim? Because he's at Gen Con right now? Correct. Did I say that's why I'm jealous of him? Because he's hanging with genocides? Is that why? Yeah, I'm sure he and Jen have been hanging a lot. He did, you know, he called me the other day. Uh, he's having a great time. He's got no Twitter access, but uh, besides that, having a good time. He, he said he talked with Ed Greenwood the other day for a while. Uh, he, he's listed off a few other people. He's, he's having a hoot, it sounds like. Who's Ed Greenwood? Am I Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Now I keep forgetting you're new to role playing. Uh, he's a big D and D guy. Basically, he created the Forgotten Realms uh, back. What it, uh, second edition what that was when they kind of introduced Forgotten Realms, or is that still anyway? <laughs> um, I, I can get lost in that for a while. But he, he's written a lot of novels for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, he, he's a well known name in the role playing community. So. Tim, if you're listening to this, if we don't have an interview with Ed Greenwood, who I don't know, <laughs> set up by the time you get back from Gen Con, then it was a wasted trip. You know, Genesodes has interviewed Ed Greenwood. <laughs> uh, uh, interesting. <laughs> About a year ago, actually. <laughs> but ours will be better because it's us. <laughs> I, well, you know, certainly the, the, the podcast that doesn't know who he is should interview him. <laughs> Yeah, because this would be the first time we've interviewed someone without having read any of their work. <laughs> Aaron, do you know who he is? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I, sure Wayne does. I know the name. Okay. Fair enough. I, I, I am the only one not in the know. <laughs> That's right. Paul now, is Paul is like the John Carter marketing team of this oh. podcast. Now, Aaron. Sir. <laughs> Jesus. I... I, I I love your cigars. You know, you were nice enough to share them with me when, when we met at Fear the Con, but I, I hear something happened to you this week. You know, and, I, and I'm a little reluctant to share this story because I don't think I come off well in it. Too bad. It's oh, on the outline. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you got to do it, man. So, you know, I, I was out with a back injury last week, and so I, you know, I didn't get to drink my bourbon or, or my scotch because, you know, I was unconscious on muscle relaxers last weekend. But uh, uh, so I, I was I was really ready, and you know, I wanted I wanted to make a big hit, you know, I wanted to come back to the cigars hard this weekend. So I uh, stopped by the cigar shop yesterday after work, and uh, you know, I really like a, a nice big chunky cigar. You know, you know, one of those things that is going to dislocate your jaws, your chin. Something, some, you know? something that really fills up your mouth. Exactly. It's it's like I've always said: <laughs> if you're going to suck a dick, suck a big dick. That's what I've always said. I don't think I've ever heard you say that before. <laughs> I've always said that. <laughs> so, you know, I I, I buy the I, I see this cigar and I, I've never uh, seen the brand before. It's called JFR and it's a great big you know seven by 70. 70, 70 is the ring gauge. It just means it's a really really wide cigar. And girthy, it's, yeah, it's girthy, girthy, girthy. Yeah. Yes, and uh, it is seven inches long. So <laughs> I go up and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm checking out there at the, at the cash register and, you know, he's ringing up my cigars and I said, Hey, have you, have you tried the, have you tried the JFR before? I, I, it's the first time I've seen it. And the guy says, Oh no, I, 
I, I've never, I've not had one of those before. They're, they're too big for me. <laughs> and so there's kind of this moment. There's just this moment. And something you got to understand about me is that it's only important that I think it's funny. Okay. It's not necessarily important that other people think it's funny. If I'm tickled, I've satisfied myself. And so it comes out of my mouth without me really thinking about it. And I said, pussy. (laughs) (laughs) And I look up at him. And, you know, I hadn't really gauged how large this man is. And there was this look in his face that I recognized. And it's that look that someone gives you right before they beat your ass. (laughs) And so I decided that I was just going to keep going with it. I said, I mean, do you wear a dress? Do you pee sitting down? And I, mean, <laughs> I think I've been banned from the store. <laughs> it, the, the transaction did not finish well. He didn't think oh. I was funny one little bit. Aaron. <laughs> See, I, I thought you were going to go with the classic of that's what she said. <laughs> no. No, you went with pussy. <laughs> Yeah, so you go into a cigar shop and call the owner of. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, see, yeah, like I said, I don't come off well in this story. So, do you need some links for mail order? <laughs> uh-huh. I think you might. <laughs> see, wow. did he actually? What did he say to you? There were, or he he said not a word after that. I mean, he was just glaring at me. <laughs> and, you, and you just kept going. Mm-hmm. Well, I figured I figured he would he would realize that how funny it was if I just kept piling on. <laughs> I mean, do you walk around in here with your parasol? I mean, <laughs> oh, Aaron. So, so did you try one of these last night? Oh God, yeah, I smoked it. I smoked that uh, JFR last night. It was gigantic. Uh, did you enjoy my, it? My jaw still hurts. Uh, yeah, no, it was great. It was fantastic. So you're saying that that seven inches in girth is is the right size for you? I do like a seven by seventy. Paul, tell us another story so we, I can get <laughs> images out of my brain. <laughs> well, you know this this story also begins with Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron sends me a picture of a Superman Kingdom Come Alex Ross design statue, and he says, "Ooh." Look what I just bid on on eBay. No link. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't, you, I have learned a long time ago you don't share eBay links with Paul because little fucker will outbid you. <laughs> <laughs> he just sends me the picture, and he's like, and I said, I noticed you didn't send me the link. <laughs> and I was like, like I don't have access to eBay, so I downloaded an eBay app uh, for my iPhone. Oh no. <laughs> And I found this other Superman statue. Uh, design. It was in the design of the Max Fleischer, Fleischer cartoon. And it was just awesome. And so I bid on it. I'm like, this is great. Well, the the, the, the bidding ended when I was asleep. Yeah. And of course, someone outbid me by like 41 cents. And so, you know, I'm talking to Aaron the next day. I'm like... Remember when eBay used you used to be able to get good deals on eBay and you used to be able to win shit and fuckity fuck fuck fuck. Yeah, I was so mad. <laughs> and that was exactly our conversation. <laughs> so I was so you know, in my fit of anger, I was like, I'm gonna win a Superman statue this week. So I bid on a couple more. 
Yeah, I ended up winning three of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, now now your Superman shelf has grown exponentially. Yeah, exponentially in one one very expensive week. Because <laughs> <laughs> if anyone doesn't know, I'm trying to build up my Superman collection, so I'm like, ah, oh, Superman statue would be nice there. And uh, yeah, now there will be three there. <laughs> Were they um, at least three different ones? Yes, yes, they are three. Okay, so you did because it would have been funnier if you would have won uh, three of the exact same statue. No, no, there are three significantly different ones. One is Superman standing in front of the American flag with an eagle on his arm. Uh, one is Superman breaking from the chains, you know, that iconic pose. Um, and then another one is a maquette for the Justice League uh, animated series. And I got them all for less than the cost, than the uh, the cover price, as it were, of one of them. Because one of them came in yesterday, and the the SRP on it is 150 bucks. Wow. Wow. I got all three for less than that. So I'm, I, I got a good deal. I just wasn't planning on spending so much this week. And so when, when, that, happened, when that incident occurred, I deleted the eBay app from my phone. I, think I, have, <laughs> I have enough Superman statues for one Superman collection right now. <laughs> well, and, and now you've got to deal with the Nightwing sale on Comixology. All those bastards. 99 cents of the uh, including the run the 1996 to 2000 whatever run of nightwing which is so good yeah if you're not tuning into the to the weekend sales on comiXology you are missing out yeah See, i mean they have some other good stuff they had like a scott pilgrim sale recently too that was pretty impressive yeah, they did yeah, see, I avoid eBay, Paul, because I'm afraid of how many things I would end up bidding on. Like, um, last year, my wife got me the the action figure set of the Death of Superman. And it's got uh, Superman, Doomsday, Guy Gardner, uh, Fire, Ice, and uh, Bloodwind. So if I went out to eBay, the first thing I would want to do is I want to round out the rest of that. I need Booster Gold, I need Blue Beetle, I need Maxima, I need everyone else involved in that storyline, and I don't have them. So I would just start buying figures like crazy. And then they would get in, and I'd compare the two. I was like, the size isn't quite right with that one, so I have to go back to eBay to buy another set. And It's just it's a long, long, you know, horrible path I don't want to go down that leaves yeah. me alone. Yeah, I, well, I, I'm I'm done. I, I I think I'm good on additions to the Superman collection for the next couple weeks. Well, and if you want to, if you want to read more about Paul's continuing engagement with Superman, if you don't look, go to the website, he is writing a, a semi-regular column called "In Search of Superman." That's been pretty interesting because, as a you know, I'm too cool for Superman guy. I've learned because I, I don't know that much. I've been I've been following along with Paul's journey. But speaking of throwing money at things. Uh, you guys might remember two weeks ago we talked about the Reaper Kickstarter. It is now up to seven hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. You know, I wonder if I should just wait on Kickstarters until they're fully funded before I contribute. <laughs> that well, way you I know the project is going to happen. Once they're fully funded, you don't want to kick. You can't at that point. You got to do it before it actually. Oh no, I see what you're saying. Once they meet their goal. Yes. Yeah. Once they meet their goal. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Their goal for their their project was only thirty grand. But see, there's no reason to wait, Paul, because you don't spend any money unless it does reach it. This is true. This is true. That's but, true. you know, I don't want to contribute to something and then be disappointed. Well, and what's hard about that is that, you know, particularly if it's one of those a longer Kickstarters, you can forget that you've kicked in. 
Yeah, and, and then and, suddenly the money disappears, and you're like, "What right. the hell?" Yeah, I've I've had that happen. Partic- particularly if you've been out there on like a lot of them, you're like, "Oh, I'll chip in, you know, twenty here, thirty there," and then you know the next thing you're like, "What the hell happened?" See, yeah, the, kick- a- the Kickstarter that I'm afraid won't be uh, finished that I'm on is the Honey Badger Barbecue Sauce. How's barbecue sauce with habanero, yeah. and the bottle is shaped like Honey Badger eating the uh, the snake. It it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like it's going to make it. Ah, that's too bad. All right, I, Knights of Rainsboro fans. I think every Knights of Rainsboro fan should kick in with a comment to say I contributed because of Knights of Rainsboro at ideologyofmadness.com, so that way they can put our name on the bottle. Well, they have a fairly low price point if you just want one, one or three bottles, as I recall. Just I haven't, I haven't looked at it recently, but the the Reaper one for a hundred dollar pledge now you get a hundred and fifty five miniatures. That is a that Kickstarter is pretty awesome. So to give yeah. you an idea, if you were to go and try to buy one blister with one figure in it at a store it, at regular price, it would cost you three ninety nine. Essentially, now you're getting uh, uh, what seventy five cents per figure. It's like an 80, 85% discount off what you'd pay at the store. So That's pretty awesome. I, I went in with my buddy. Uh, we uh, are going we, – we, we sp- we're going to split the hall between us because uh, 155 figures is a lot of figures. But you need all of those. Well, you know, the funny thing is I, I don't really. But the, <laughs> the deal is so good, I literally can't let it go by. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be like that movie Shallow Grave. And they're all going to go in on it. And when the figures come in, Andrew's going to off everybody else and keep the figures for himself. That's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, you can edit that out, right? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll get right on that. Editing. It, this, person, this person may listen to this podcast. <laughs> huh. May. May or may not. Now, Andrew, we have a very strict rule. We do not kill listeners of the podcast. How about if they were friends before they were listeners? No. I'm no, sorry. Once once they become a, a a listener, I'm sorry. We have to. They, they they fall under the bubble of protection. Yeah, that's the only reason some of the hosts are still alive because you know they're downloading and listening to the episodes they're on. So that's right. We right. can't Three kill times them. A week. It, it, like, it, like it, you, Wayne. <laughs> it protected me at the cigar shop yesterday. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kick your ass, but I listen to funny books. Okay. You're good. You're good. But I'm Aaron from the internet. Exactly. I'm Aaron from Paul Ponte's blog, (laughs) ideologyofmadness.com. So, speaking of bad ideas, this week, uh, DC released its November solicitations. All the issue 13s that are coming um, after the zero. No, wait. Yeah, yeah. I think it's all the issue 13s. It may be the issue 14s um, that are coming out in November. And, you know, there's this big there's this big hullabaloo because they reveal on the cover for Batgirl number 13 or 14. It might be number 14. Um, the Joker's new look. Um, you know, so they, they've been trying to keep this hidden. They've been trying to keep it a secret. You know, after, if, as everyone knows, in Detective Comics number one, Joker had his face removed, and DC blew the reveal in the solicits. And uh, I know for one, uh, Gray Capullo or Capullo, uh, Cap- I think it's Cappy. Yes, yeah, Gray Cappy um, <laughs> is not happy about the reveal because he's been. You know, I mean, he's the one who designed 
the new look. And, you know, him and Scott Snyder have been working on keeping it a secret. And uh, the powers that be decided to reveal it in the solicitations, not in the context of the story. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he went to Twitter with his frustrations. Um, and then, you know, so after all that, you know, he, he was upset. He's like, no, no, I don't – I'm not trying to say that, you know, that it was a bad idea. I just don't agree with it, blah, blah, blah. Then Jock, the, uh, the artist Jock, who's doing a backup for the story in Batman, posted a, uh, an image from his drawing table that, did this, that revealed the look too. So th- there's pretty much no keeping this look secret right now. That's got to piss those guys off. Yeah. Oh, I, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, I would be furious if you've got the, the big reveal, you know, what that because it's, it's a big damn deal f- from uh, from that first issue. I would be mm-hmm. pissed. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a year, a year yeah. in the waiting and then it's blown in solicitations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, e- even Marvel is being careful not to spoil the ending of Avengers versus X-Men yet. You know, I mean, we've gotten solicitations, so, you know, we can see some of the characters who survive, but some of the ones who you think might die, they still haven't revealed whether they do or not. Well, yeah, Marvel, Marvel at least... Marvel will wait to uh, to spoil it until, like, a day before the book comes out. In USA Today. Send, yeah, yeah, when they send it to USA Today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's so it's a... I, I'm, I'm surprised that DC went that route, considering how, you know, how closely they kept the uh, the New 52 until you know the last minute a secret you know and and they they're pretty good about keeping secrets but uh no it, it did not happen this time and so you know you see the joker's face and it's all kind of like stitched on and held on with a strap to his uh his cut off face i think it's a pretty cool look but i i'm i'm surprised that they didn't try that they didn't even try to keep it a secret yeah. you know Yep, that's a that that that's a royal mess right there. But it's not as big a secret as the Walking Dead ghost variant. Have you guys heard about this? I have not. Nope. Nope. So, you know, variant covers are kind of like the new rage nowadays. You know, the, the, I guess they were big in the '90s and they're big again now. It's happened guess, before. All the everything that's happening now has happened before. Yeah. Well, you know. This is true. They, they, ha- they have a plan. Yeah, they, they have a plan. <laughs> are you saying that the image creators are Cylons? Well, I am not perfect. saying that, but... <laughs> but they are. Um, no, this isn't the image creators. So what has happened is that comic stores now are getting in on the variant business. Because variant covers are a big business. You know, you can buy, for example, you can buy 100 copies of a comic book just to get a variant. And then charge, you know... 100 bucks for the variant. Right. Um, what's happening now is that comic creators are going in and paying for and create and you know they're all pooling their money to have the variant created. They're paying the artist to create the variant. And that's what the Walking Dead Ghost variant cover is. These uh, a group of um, comic retailers have gone in and paid for this variant to be created and it's only available at their shops. There's a print run of, I think, like 5,000, and it's only available at certain comic shops, huh. including my comic <laughs> shop, because he went on Twitter, and he said, we're going to have the Walking Dead ghost variant. I'm like, what the hell is that? He said, one of few shops that do. I mean, we're talking maybe 20 shops, 20, 30 shops that have this variant in the United States or in the world. Wow. 
I mean, of course, it'll be on eBay. But uh, I've got to be the voice of I just don't care. The cover to me, I mean, I enjoy a nice cover, but it's not why I buy a comic book. I don't feel a need to collect variant covers. I don't feel a need to pay, you know, 20 times cover price to get a, a cool cover on it in the post market. Yeah. Would now be the time to point out that you don't buy physical comics at all anyway? Sure. And you just I mean, buy them I digitally, do. so there's the I mean, variant cover do. debate doesn't even come up for you. But even in the 90s, I mean, we can go back to the 90s when, when variant covers were all the rage. And you had the special foil, you know, in the bag and yada, yada, yada. Even then, back when I, I only bought physical comics, I never had the slightest inclination to go cover hunting. No, you know, I gotta agree I, uh, with Andrew. I, I'm, I'm totally in. I don't care about what cover I get with my comics, you know, because they're like, well, which cover do you want? I don't give a shit. I really don't. But I do give a shit when I could have gotten the variant for twenty five bucks, and in a month's time, it's selling for three hundred dollars on eBay. Because that is exactly what's going to happen here. That is true. If I were, uh, if I were you, Paul, I would probably get the ghost covers and put them out on eBay, and yeah. then buy a uh, another copy of the book just to read yourself. But they were gone by the time I got to the comic shop. Oh, nice. I mean, the, the I mean th- that's and, and Walking Dead itself is already big money nowadays. You know, a while back when I was cleaning out my comics, I'm like, I had all these floppies of Walking Dead, and I got rid of them. Like, uh, you know, I I'll get them in trade. You know, I'm not reading Walking Dead anymore. Just get these floppies out of my way. It turns out I probably threw about a thousand dollars away getting rid of those floppies, and I'm not even talking about a full run of the book. I mean, the, the Walking Dead is big money if you have floppies nowadays, because people are paying those prices, actually paying those prices to buy Walking Dead back issues. So, I mean, a Walking Dead variant that's only five thousand or five thousand copies, that thing's going to be a couple hundred dollars, probably in a month or two. Cut out. So, I cut out. Yeah, at least I didn't hear you. Did anybody else hear me? I heard you, Paul. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if your shop is one of the few shops that has this book and still has copies, um, get on it. Get one and, uh, you know, store it. And uh, you're not going to put your kids through college with it. You know, those days are over. <laughs> but, but you might be able to buy them. You know, you might be able to uh, fund your funny book habit for the rest of the year. Off the sales of this one book. Well, and the reality on the on the Walking Dead collectability is that you're you've got a real limited window as to when you're going to be able to reap the rewards on that, because once the show goes off the air, unless it retains its fandom, you know you're going to see a, a drop off on how popular some of that stuff is. Oh, easily. You I mean, know? they're already hitting media saturation with it. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I, I, and if the third season sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the uh, original uh, newsprint run, you know, the uh-huh. black and white, the were big magazine format books. Yeah. yeah, those were big money. That's bigger money. Than, that well, was bigger money than Walking Dead. And when the first TMNT movie came out, I sold those and I did really well. And I sold my Batman collection when Tim Burton's uh, Batman movie came out and did really well. You know, so you really kind of have to time when you're going to drop some of that stuff, you know, because if, if you think I'm going to hold on to this into perpetuity, it might not be worth a damn thing in 10 years. Yeah. And that's know. why I say a month, because right. honestly, <clears throat> that shit's not going to be worth anything in 10 years. It's going to be worth yeah. cover price. Yeah. Look at the, look at the death of Superman comic book. 
<laughs> Good luck oh. getting more than five bucks for that now. Well, it's because they, they they printed hundreds and hundreds of thousands of those books. Oh, I mean, yeah, exactly. you, know, you can pick those up and, and you know, still poly sealed in uh, in quarter bins. Mm. You know, it almost it's almost like the supply and the demand of the product influence its price. Almost. Almost. Yes. Almost. We should we should look into this. There, there may be a theory here. <laughs> there may be. Yeah. You know, so. But you know, Andrew, I still hold to Say's law, which says supply generates its own demand. Um, boy, I think I have to disagree with you there. I, I, <laughs> I think I think Say had it right. Just saying, so I can. You, I can so produce Andy, a large supply of of, of the. And never mind. I don't want to go that direction. Uh, yes, that, Paul. In that case, the demand must really be there for the wedding of Superman because I see that thing. You know, hundreds of copies, every quarter bin out there has one. You know, Wayne, that is a much more uh, eloquent way of making a point than I was going to go. Thank you for that. (laughs) Well, how big do you think the demand was this week for Before Watchmen Rorschach number one? I think a whole lot of people were waiting and just itching (laughs) for that book. Rorschach is a very popular character, so I I could definitely see people uh, being very anxious for it. I think Rorschach is the most popular character from Watchmen. I don't know. Silk Spectre's got a lot of a young. Sorry, Silk Spectre Two has got a lot of fans. No, this is true. This is true. She's, she's she's you know young and anyway. Yes, Paul. Virile. <laughs> she's got birth and hips. What? Um, oh birth and hips. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> See what happened there was it was funny, and then Paul took it to the next level. <laughs> the level of hilarity. <laughs> he used virile, which is a term he used for mid. <laughs> then he went with birth and hips. <laughs> you know, that's how I roll. Um, so, I love you, Paul. <laughs> before Watchmen, Rorschach, number one of four, came out this week from the creative team of Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. Um, they've worked together a couple times before uh, on a Lex Luthor um Original graphic novel, the Joker. Original graphic novel. They're kind of one of those superstar DC teams. So everyone is excited about this book, and I know Aaron is itching to talk about it. So Aaron, what'd you think of it? Well, you know, I, I find it interesting that you know Rorschach is uh, the most popular character in the Watchmen universe. He is, uh, you know, this this has probably been the most anticipated of the before Watchmen books, and I have to say, I liked it the least. I uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the opening pages were brilliant. You know, where you've got the guy, um, you know, carving his initials in, into the the woman. I thought that was beautifully told visually, but I did not care for the writing on this book. It did not, it did not have the same tone as Rorschach from the uh, the Watchmen book. It felt like a different character. I don't disagree with you. Um, I do think Rorschach in this book is much – he's much more – I mean I, the Rorschach in the original book was pretty freaking cynical. But this one is just he, – he, honestly, he reads like a villain. Well, and you know, a lot of what you get in the Watchmen book from Rorschach's point of view, you have to fill in the gaps of what he's not telling you you know, because he's not a, re- a reliable narrator, right? Correct. Because there's, there's a lot of what's going on around him that he just kind of sees differently. And what I disliked about the tone of his journaling was that he's just he's just very much telling you what's going on. And that's what felt, you know, uh, 
felt so different from from the before from the Watchmen book, uh, that, and that's what I had a hard time with. So I didn't feel like I was reading Rorschach. I felt like I was reading somebody else. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the rest of these because I enjoyed it enough. But I just did not think that it was as good a book as uh, the other first issues in the Before Watchmen line. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with your criticisms. I think they're all valid. But I did enjoy the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, <clears throat> excuse me, very different feel. And there have been dark books. Even The Comedian is a very dark book. This is dark to the extreme. Yeah, I was going to say, not as dark as this one. I mean, this is very much, you know, the other books try to have a sensibility of a certain time, whether it be the 70s or the 60s. This Rorschach book really could take place in the modern day. No. Um, You don't think so? Well, Times Square has been way cleaned up. I mean, Rudy took care of Times Square. Yeah, This is true. Um, But, I mean, it's just... It feels like a modern comic book. I guess is more what I'm trying to say. Uh, but I mean, I enjoyed it, and I thought the art was gorgeous. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those books you feel a little grimy reading. I mean, you know, you've got porn stores and guys jerking off in nudie booths and all sorts of, you know, e creepy moments. Shooting up heroin. <laughs> yeah, shooting up heroin. Um, you know, very, very dark. You know, dark, darker than the original Watchmen. To, you know, I would even say. I mean, so you're right. It's very dark, but but I really enjoy the art by Lee Bermejo. I think Correct. I'm saying that right. Yeah, I'd go with it. Okay, uh, but I, I I know what you mean because they start with this great. They they give you this very because it's only four issues, correct? Right. And they start yes. off with this great, you know, this guy cutting on this woman, you know, serial killer, crazy psychopath type guy. And you, I'm really excited because, you know, my thought is that's going to be Rorschach tracking down this crazy guy. It's going to be cat and mouse and it'll be fantastic, right? But then they take you uh, kind of 90 degrees to the right and go down this, uh, you know, him, him trying to bust a uh, basically a drug dealer mm-hmm. uh, or drug supplier, if you will. It, and I don't. That felt very disjointing to me because I don't. I'm not. I'm not really interested in him beating up on the drug guys. I want him to find out more what's going on with the serial killer. And they don't even resolve the drug dealer story in this issue. Right. It's like the two things have nothing to do with each other. And maybe. And maybe we'll find that they all come together in the end. But. Uh, but I me, mean, I just want to get back to him tracking down this this crazy serial killer that they're talking about. Uh, what do they call it? The librarian or uh, not that? Uh, no, the um, the observer. Uh, was that it? It was it was something like that. The bard. The yes, bard. the bard. Bard. So uh, I, I really want to get back to that story because that's the one that interests me. I, I, I'm very much less interested in the the drug dealer storyline that's going through the book. Yeah, I mean, but it's I, again, it's I mean, it, it, I, I, it feels it's a good introduction, I thought, but it's also just an introduction. It, it feels like an incomplete comic book at this point. And I know it's a four issue limited series, but it doesn't even feel like enough for a first issue. <laughs> I mean, if he, if he, if he had wrapped up, the, you know, if he'd, you know, ended the issue, busting up the drug gang, that was kind of your introduction to Rorschach. And then, you know, issues two through four went into the whole serial care storyline. That'd be one thing. But the fact that, you know, he's going to carry this into the next one, at least into the second issue, just kind of, yeah, at least, but I, I mean, I'm going to buy it. I did enjoy it. I just feel like there's a lack of focus, but maybe, like maybe you said, maybe it'll all come together. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, I, I'm I'm on board for it. 
And um, I think there's only one more before Watchmen story that hasn't begun yet. Am I yeah. correct in that? Yeah, Dr. Manhattan. Yep. Dr. Manhattan, which is the one I'm the least interested in. Uh, the same. I, I really just don't care for that character at all, much less no. think he's going to be an interesting read. I agree. He's just so inhuman. He's not – it's hard to relate to him because he's not He's not human. You know, he floats around and he's he, he just – he has ultimate power, which, again, I'm not a big uh, fan of, of heroes who have that much power. So You know, that's where the potential for it could come is if it's right after he got his powers and he's still losing his humanity. Maybe. Yeah, but we've read I mean, that already. You know, that's my thing. We've already read that story. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not interested, and I'm not going to pick. Don't plan on picking it up. But there is potential at points in his life before he became so distant. Well, and plus, there's always the possibility of him just walking from one coast to the other of the country. You know, talking. Yeah, t- talking to people and just you know walking. You know, trying just, to get in touch with with you know his lost humanity. Right. Or it could just be 22 pages of him with his ex girlfriend having sex with her in multiple bodies. I'd could, I'd watch that. I mean, I'd read that. Um, You'd produce that. That's right. How is there not a Watchmen porno movie? Were were porn parodies not big when that movie came out? I guess they weren't. They were not. Ah, what a missed opportunity. (laughs) It's a shame. (laughs) You you, you already have the naked blue guy. So moving on to Green Lantern number 12. (laughs) Wayne, you've been quiet during the Rorschach talk. Uh, Tell us what you thought about Green Lantern number 12 this week. You know, I'm uh, I am loving how they're setting up all of these uh, issue twelves leading into the zero issues, because every book I've read so far that's had its twelfth uh, issue has ended on an interesting cliffhanger, and this one is no different. They uh, they finally do some reveals in this book. We find out, you know, why Sinestro got a green lantern got a green lantern ring, and that's been uh, over a year's worth of, you know mystery mm-hmm. you know we get to see the uh, the return of the black lanterns actually some fighting with the black lanterns and even more build up to this uh, third army story and i have to say as much as i want to avoid big crossovers i think i'm pretty much sold on third army like i may yeah. even be picking up uh, corpse which i don't currently read just to get the whole story yeah there's a pretty good indication you know they've already revealed dc's revealed with green lantern number zero we're going to get a new green lantern um a new earth-based green lantern who is kind of more of an anti-hero and the storyline is you know well what what happens to hal jordan well there's a pretty good hint at the end of this book when uh spoiler warning too bad no one's here to spoiler for me (laughs) (laughs) um Black Hand is looking into the Book of the Black, and uh, the Book of the Black reveals to him that Hal Jordan will be the greatest Black Lantern. And, and I, says, I hope they don't wuss out on this. I want to actually see Hal die and become a Black Lantern. Yeah, I mean, Hal's, I mean, you know, it, I was thinking, I'm like, well, wasn't he just dead? But really, no. <laughs> that was like 10 years ago. So, I mean, in theory, he could die again. And besides, that was uh, pre-New 52. We don't know if that ever happened or not. This is true. I'm sure it did, though. I mean, the, the 
the Green Lantern stuff has remained largely unchanged. But luckily, we'll find out in two weeks in Green Lantern Annual Number One. Um, you know, the, the first set of DC New Fifty Two Annuals are coming out this month. Uh, we've got Detective Comics, Justice League International, Flash, Superman, and Green Lantern. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm only going to pick up a couple of these. Most of them seem like they're conclusions of storylines. But uh, I'm definitely picking up Green Lantern Annual by Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Skyver. So, you know, that's the creative team behind Green Lantern Rebirth. Yeah, I think there's a very good chance that I'm going to pick up more of these uh, zero issues than I actually do of the regular books. You know, I may be giving a few things a try that I haven't been reading, particularly like Flash. I've uh, I picked up Flash number one on uh, one of the Comixology sales. And it was really good. So I may just jump into their zero issue, too. Oh, yeah. And th- I think Flash number 13 is the beginning of the Gorilla City storyline, Aaron. Just saying. Ooh, Gorillas. Oh, Gorilla yeah. Grodd. Francis Manipal art. And I mean, so, I'm sure that Tim's going to pick up Teen Titans number zero, especially since he's not here to argue against it, because we know how excited he is at the idea of reading the story about uh, Red Robin having never been actually Robin. I'm actually going to pick it up specifically for that reason. I'm, I'm curious to see how the storyline plays out. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'll probably pick up more zero issues than I normally would of regular New 52 stuff. Especially since some of the new series are starting with zero issues, like Talon and uh, Princess of Power or whatever the hell it is, Amethyst. Yeah, and it'll be the end of some of the series, the four series they're canceling. I think they all got zero issues. Like, so it'll be the last we see of Voodoo, and uh, that's really sad because the book has been very good at the end. Yeah, it's a shame. So, guys. This week, Amazing Spider-Man 691 came out, the final chapter of the No Turning Back storyline. Wayne, did you read this one? You did not read this one, did you? I did read this one. Oh, okay. So I guess this is the only book this week that we all read. Well, and I learned something from this book that I did not know before. Apparently, lizards and humans can exist peacefully. Can coexist peacefully. Yeah, exactly. You know, we can can build a coalition if you will, between humans and lizards, and everyone can just get along. Because, you know, at the, at the end of part three, there is a, a bunch of Horizon Lab employees that have been changed into giant lizards by Kurt Connors, who are charging the poor defenseless scientist. Yes, after having eaten human <clears throat> arms, because he's been feeding them his arm. Well, Kurt Connors' arm, I don't know how human it is, yeah. but yeah. So some degree of humanness, but it so part four starts, and you know it turns out all the lizards really wanted were a belly rub. I, I have to say that was uh, it was surprising, but a huge letdown. Oh, I disagree. I, I kind of liked it. I, I thought it was, I thought it was a, yeah. yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Last issue ended with such an epic moment of him, you know, busting through the window just in time as the windows closed behind him standing there ready to fight with the lizards all around him. And it was uh, a perfect setup for this, you know, this cool fight. And then they go with the, uh, you know, oh, no, they're they're our friends. Why would they attack us? 
They they I, would attack because they have the taste of human blood. Why would they eat a human arm if there's no reason for it? But I think it really plays in well with uh, with what that you bring up towards the end of the book with how the evil really has nothing to do with the lizard side. It has to do with Kirk Connors, which uh, that kind of plays into and helps support it because it shows that you know these people are turned lizards, but they're not out there, you know. Yeah, and I, and I thought killing. I thought that was a beautiful reveal, though. You know, where where, where where the lizard realizes, oh my god, it's the human piece. It's not the lizard piece. By the way, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I don't get it, though, because they show Kirk Connors to not be ultimately that bad. You know, I mean, at the end, uh, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I deserve to be in prison. Well, you, you see, know, I think, I, I'm not going to tell him. And so I'm like, well, you just said that he was the evil one. No, this, this is also another book. That, this is also another book that does something that I tend to hate. And that's the, uh, oh, we're going to transform him into his ultimate form that just happens to look a lot like the new movie version. You see, but Paul, the core of, of his uh, evil came from Kirk Connors. But, but Kirk Connors didn't realize that. He projected that onto his loser persona and blamed – and basically you know, gave all accountability for that evil to the lizard so that the human side of it could just be like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's, it's just I'm, – I'm a freak lizard and it's, it's this, you know, the lizard brain driving me to do these horrible things. It's not me. You know what? You can't blame me. And then at the end of this, he realizes, you know, he has that realization that it wasn't his lizard brain causing him to do all these horribly evil things. It was actually him. Yeah. And that's why when he's sitting there in the cell, he's saying, you know, I deserve to be here. You know, I'm where I'm supposed to be because, you know, I am an evil person. It's not I just can't continue to blame the fact this fact on my transformation and the lizard side of me ruling me. It's it's really been me this whole time. Yeah. And, and that's what I really liked about the story. I thought it was excellently told. Uh, agreed, and and well, and, and there's some funny bits, of course, like you know, Max Modell Lizard keeps falling around his lawyer, and apparently they live together. Yeah, I, I thought and that, and the, you know, the, he's going to check him for scales when they get home. Do you not I, know I, that Max Modell was gay? I, no, I, well, a, I didn't know he was gay, and b, I didn't know he was getting on with his lawyer. Yeah, no, I no, they I, revealed that already. Yeah, um, yeah, I, that was pretty. The gay part, at least, was very well established. I don't know if the uh, the lawyer part was. You know what I, they call that. You know what they call that? Billable hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I must have missed that when they revealed it because um, it was it was new to me with this issue, which uh, was interesting. But I like the fact that when he was listening, he would just follow the lawyer around and like, nudge him in the side with his nose. <laughs> I like how, what was it, Bella and Grady, uh-huh. uh, who have been dating in you know before they were turned lizards. You know, now they're lizards, decide to just go ahead and start you know making out a little bit, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, which they had apparently not done in real life. Um, but I I found the reveal of the Kirk Connor storyline to be very satisfying. Same here, same here. I was very happy with the way that ended, and I thought it was a nice follow up to the shed story uh, that predated this. You know, the 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 lizard story where Billy dies. Uh, I just, I really liked it. I really liked it. Now, Paul, mm-hmm. the uh, guy that looks so much like uh, you know Deathstroke, the Terminator, at the end of the book. I'm assuming that's the original Hobgoblin. Okay, that's uh, <laughs> what he says. Well, I mean, because he gives his name, so yeah, it's Roderick Kingsley. Okay. Yeah. I, I I've never read an original Hobgoblin story, so. Yeah, me either. I'm 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 not that much of a uh, historian on Spider-Man, but. Wow, uh, because they they only revealed you know who the Hobgoblin actually was. 
like in the late 90s. When it originally was out, they went all the way, you know, they did their whole it was Ned Leeds thing, but it never seemed to kind of ring true up until they did their uh, a miniseries that was, I don't remember, I think it was The Return of the Hobgoblin or something like that, where they revealed who it really was. And I thought they'd done uh, some stories after that with him too, before, the, before he basically, uh, during the War of the Goblin storyline, decided he was leaving the country. Because but then who did, who did Phil Urich kill then? A uh, bit. Ben King, wasn't it Ben Kingsley? Ben Kingsley, the actor, Sir Ben Kingsley, Daniel Kingsley. Daniel yeah, Roderick Kingsley had a twin brother named uh, Daniel Kingsley. Oh, well, who was also the Hobgoblin? Yeah, he was the he was the guy that uh, that uh, Phil Yurick killed. Right. Yeah, and, well, I and, got that. And, and took his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was like D and D. He killed him and took his stuff. <laughs> you're right. I hadn't thought about that way, but you're right. It is a D and D campaign. <laughs> yeah, he was always kind of a snivelly character. That's why. I was surprised to hear that he had taken up the mantle of Hobgoblin at some point. I I'd say I'm excited about the story, you know, returning the original Hobgoblin back. I want to see the uh, how this plays out, but I don't think it's not going to be next issue. So I I hope it doesn't wait too long before they do the storyline. Well, where are they going? Where are they going the for the, the next Hobgoblin issue? Is coming in a couple issues. Good. Uh, but next issue is the 50th anniversary issue. Oh right, that features the introduction of Alpha, and is also five ninety nine. How many pages? Um, I don't know. Okay. Hopefully five hundred and ninety nine. Yeah, penny a page. Good luck with that. <laughs> I don't know. Probably like forty eight. Well, we, I'm, I'm, I'm okay sure. with that. And will there be a reprint in it, Paul? Almost certainly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> I I don't know. Then I. I I'm going to buy it, but I do have my ban on buying books that are half reprint. Well, I'll, I'm going to thumb through it. I, uh, I'm not going to make a commitment until I see it. I, I'm really concerned about this five ninety nine book. The only hope I have is that it's a reprint of something I haven't read, but my suspicion, Amazing Fantasy 15. No, because they just – oh, no, they just did – no, I think they just reprinted that. They just had an, a new reprint of Amazing Fantasy 15 that had um, – modern coloring on it they recolored it using you know digital effects and all that stuff so they'll probably want to get sales off of that rather than you know now is six is 692 written by dan slot absolutely with art by wayne's favorite artist umberto ramos well i'm in uh 599 for an umberto ramos book well yeah, half, of it, be reprint, half right? of it will be reprint of somebody who's a better artist i'm sure Oh, I don't know who, but it's got to be better. <laughs> I, you know, I remember Dan Slott saying something about it uh, being original story, so it may not actually be a reprint. There may not actually be a reprint. I'm just – I would be surprised if there wasn't. But, you know, I haven't seen a lot of reprints lately in Marvel books. Lately. You know, that used to be the big thing, but – They used yeah, to do it constantly. Yeah. yeah, it cracks me up. It used to be a year ago. <laughs> yeah, it used to be. But in the last year, I haven't seen any – so I don't know. I'm, I'm going to pick it up regardless. I think if Marvel was wise when they released the book digitally, they would release it in pieces. Hey, hey, now, um, you know, with uh, the first, you know, story maybe being two ninety nine, three ninety nine. You know, you can get the other bits for a buck each or something like that. I, tell you, uh, I don't think that's how it's going to happen, Paul. Yeah, I don't think so either. You know, while we're still talking Spider Man, uh, so next Thursday is my birthday. 
And one of the things that my wife is getting me is she has made, and it's already done in the basement. I just haven't seen it because she's you know kept it hidden from me until my birthday. A Scarlet Spider hoodie, where she took the action figure that you got me at uh, at Fear the Con, Andrew, and she's used that as the inspiration. Made a you know she bought a uh, blue hoodie online, cut the sleeves off. Got red material to make red sleeves to go under it and sew into it, so it'll be uh, it'll be like armless with red sleeves. She's uh, made the image and painted the image onto the shirt in the front and the back for the spider. So uh, yeah, I I should have pictures of this for uh, for next week. But yeah, Thursday I am getting a scarlet spider hoodie. I'm excited. That is fantastic. So- how is she hiding it from you in the basement? If you know it's in the basement, how is it hidden? Are you just afraid to go into the basement because That's right. of the grudge or something? Oh, I just haven't gone to look at it. <laughs> it's in the, it's in the basement. It may be hidden. It may be out in the open. I don't know. But if I go down there, then I have to bring up the laundry. So, ah, uh, uh, yeah, chores. Uh, chores the, live down there, Paul. Uh, well, I was just worried because I'm like, is that where the dead Asian woman lives? I mean, <laughs> dead Asian man. Dead Asian man. <laughs> no, that's the trunk of my car. No, remember ah, gotcha. it's it's dead girl live boy. This That's is true. the scandal. Dead girl live boy. <laughs> because uh, to get dead guy live girl, that's just successful self defense. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of self defense, how was Avengers versus X Men number ten? I need someone to defend me from this book. Uh, that's why I stopped reading it. <laughs> what four four or five issues ago now I've been at. Yeah, oh, yeah I kind of dug issue ten. I didn't what? dislike it. It was, but it was just, it was just a fight. That's all it was. It was just a fight. Yeah, but who, you, di- but you did get an infinite comic with it. Who was the writer? Did we? I didn't yeah. read it. You didn't read the infinite comic? No, I just got my comics yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, what yeah, was the infinite comic. It's it is uh, Tony Stark and the Beast figuring out how they're going to win this fight, and it was really good. Huh. And, you know, of course, it was written again by Mark Wade, and, uh, you know, written and kind of, uh, you know, uh, conceptualized by, by Mark Wade. But uh, I, I thought issue 10 was really good. I, 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 I really dug issue 10. Um, I really enjoyed the Magneto stuff in this issue. Yeah. And, and I, I, there's that moment you see there, – there's a nice little bit of foreshadowing on, on the page that after Emma – uh, really messes with Magneto, you know, because Emma's, if you recall, I think it was an issue or two ago where Emma realizes she's losing control over the, the Phoenix force. And she's asking Scott to help her with it. And Scott's really, that really falls on a deaf ear. And she, so she's, you know, she's, she's having this inner monologue, you know, you know, save me from myself. And then of course she just keeps going darker. And so, you know, she's, she's now, as cruel as she was to humans, she's now being cruel to, to mutants. And Magneto calls her on it. Well, you know, she you know mind zaps him and you know corrects his behavior. And when she goes away, you see there's this long shot of him looking over at his helmet, which of course protects him from uh, you know psionic forces and whatnot. So I, I think we're going to get a, a a little bit of uh, Magneto on Emma action. Plus there's the scene at the end of the book where he is telepathically calling to Charles Xavier. Now I am going to make a complaint about something. Uh, and I know that that's, that, that surprises everyone, but in the recent issue of Avengers, 
the Avengers call Xavier in to uh, uh, attack Rachel Summers because they're trying to knock out the uh, telepaths on the X-Men team. Mm-hmm. And Xavier decides, you know, after you know the battle gets really nasty that, you know, he can't fight his children and he's going to sit out on the sidelines. You know, that he he's not going to get involved in this. He's you know, his his former students are grown people. They're adults. They can make their own decisions. But clearly Xavier's coming back into this. Yeah, it's a little silly because they released Avengers 29, which shows that on the yeah. same week as this book. Right. Even though Avengers 29 takes place supposedly during the events of Avengers versus X-Men 8. Yeah. Yeah. The it, timing of the issues throws you off. Yeah. It's just it's a little, a little stupid, I think. It's a little it feels too artificial. Yeah. You know. I mean, uh, you know, I'm wondering cuz you know, everyone's like, "Oh, Cyclops is probably going to die at the end of the storyline." But I'm wondering if Magneto's going to be one of the ones to bite it. I think I, the, I have not seen him in any post AVX announcements. Well, the longer this story goes, the more convinced I am that Cyclops has to die. I I agree, and uh, I think if they killed Magneto, they would lose something for the uh, the new X Men storyline. Because when you bring the X Men from the past and show them, hey, Magneto is an X Man now. I think that has an impact on those characters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know what they're, I, I gotta be honest, AVX feels a little lost to me. Right? You know, this issue wasn't bad, even though I do have to say the art felt majorly rushed. Really? Um, I thought that, I thought Adam Kubert's art was fantastic on this book. Really? I, th- I thought it just felt really rushed to me. Oh, I didn't feel that way at all. Mm. But it just, the book frustrated me because it's just a fight scene and it's you know it, we mentioned the xavier thing that it literally negates something that happens in another book this week right well it also has scarlet witch against cyclops and she's like oh wait my powers aren't good anymore because he's too strong but you know it was like this whole setup scarlet witch is the secret weapon scarlet witch is the secret weapon and she's like oh wait no i'm not you know it's it's frustrating because she hasn't taken down any of the phoenix force well and of the phoenix Five. there's a little there's a little bit of that in the infinite comic that came out with this as well. So yeah, you get more of Scarlet witch and how she is actually the secret weapon. Well, I mean, I'll give it a read, but it was just, it's been frustrating to me because it's been 10 issues of, and and really we've only probably gotten about three or four of actual progression in the story. Um, and the, the story could have been done in half the time. And my biggest gripe about this book, Aaron, AVX, correct me if I'm wrong. It's a biweekly book, correct? Uh-huh. Well, um, then why would issue 11 be Come coming out. out in four weeks? Well, because, you know, Marvel can't keep to their own stinking schedule. But wait, they have six writers uh-huh. and three different artists. Uh-huh. And they still can't get a book out on time? Yeah, that, is that what I'm reading? That's correct. Yeah. Give but, me a damn break. And, you know, I just read on Twitter last night that the book just went to press because, you know, they were like, um, you know, we just made it in under the gun, but AVX is finally finished. I'm like, are you – or AVX 11 is finally finished. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Seriously? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's been – You've been planning this story for how long? You have three different artists. You couldn't just bring back John Romita Jr. and say, hey, can you finish the last half of this book since you do like three pages a day? If uh, if they could keep John Romita Jr. 
as far away from anything I'm ever going to read as possible. Uh, I would appreciate that. And if that causes the book to go four weeks delayed, um, I'm willing to accept that. Well, because my concern is, okay, so issue 11 coming out two weeks late. How long are we going to have to wait for issue 12? It'll it'll be out by Christmas. (laughs) Are we going to already be in Marvel now by the time issue 12 comes out? Well, it'll be Marvel then. (laughs) Marvel previously. (laughs) Uh, you know, it's just it's just such so frustrating to me because, you know, 12 issues is hard enough to commit to for a storyline that I don't even like, much less with delays, you know, ugh, just frustrating to me. So, Paul, Aaron, Hope, you know, uh, Hope, the, 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 the girl that everyone's out to get from on, on the Phoenix Force. Yes. Um, she. uh employed the chaos fist yeah i saw that that was pretty cool well i I, i'm going to be majorly disappointed if there isn't an immortal iron fists book after avx well they're going to call it iron fisting fisting. that's what that book is going to be called (laughs) um i i I really like what they've done with hope with the uh kun loon story Mm -hmm. i really hope it sticks I hope so too. I really hope it sticks because they have really done so much here. Uh, I need an Iron Fist book on the other side. So yeah, just even say. if it doesn't have Danny Rand and it's just, a, I just, I would like an Iron Fist book and I would like it to be good. You know, I don't want like uh, that Power Man and Iron Fist book that Andrew and I were reading. Uh, uh, that was Powder oh. Powder Man and Iron First. That was yeah. horrible. I was so <laughs> excited about it, and man, it was a. Uh, if you're not, a, if you're gonna have a Power Man book. And Luke Cage and in it, you just yeah. stop. You can't call it Power Man for yeah. sure. I'm sorry. Call it Iron Fist and this other guy. Well, you know, it's just uh, I don't know. I, I really hope they come out with it. Unfortunately, the creative team that I'd want on the book is already doing Hawkeye. Yeah. And uh, Ed Brubaker says he's not going to be doing much outside of creator-owned work for a while. Uh, that's other, bad. yeah, other than Winter Soldier, that's going to be his pretty much his only work for Marvel. I would love to see Ed Brubaker doing a Iron Fist book again. Yeah, exactly. So, eh, so we'll you know see. what else is frustrating about AVX? So you've got all of these AR codes that are probably not going to be anything interesting, but they're hard as hell to scan. I'm sorry. I don't know if anyone else is even bothering with them anymore, since it's usually just the, you know, the drawing of the page, but. You know, as I don't uh, buy physical copies, I can honestly say I've never used an AR code. Yeah, they've really got to figure out a way to employ that into the digital book. Maybe yeah, you just touch nice. something on the screen or something. Yeah, I, I mean, you should just it should just be a little hyperlink or something. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of which, that's what we didn't talk about this week. Did you guys see that Marvel and Comicsology finally? Yes. Finally, will be syncing up their purchases. I am so yep. excited about this. It's about damn time. That's all I gotta say. Well, absolutely. You, you know, I buy all my DC books digitally now, and uh, I, I, I got to tell you, it's coming. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be all on digital for my floppies pretty soon. I'm, uh, why, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you have a run you really love, you buy it and trade when it comes out. Exactly. Otherwise, you got yeah. your floppies on your your iPad. What? I, I, Aaron, this excites me, and I, I, I'm happy for you. Well, you know, what's really changed for me in terms of my. Uh, my comic reading digitally is that I pref- I find that I prefer to handle my iPad versus handling the floppy, the weekly floppy book. 
Yes. And so I find that I read my digital books before I read my my print books. Uh, and I find that I'm not buying as many trades in paperbacks. I'm buying them in hardbacks. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm still the opposite. I very much prefer the floppy, and I read all of the uh, the things I buy physically before I touch anything that I buy digitally. And I gotta tell you, you're not having to make that weekly trip to the store. Like, just you know, be able to come home on a Wednesday night at eight o'clock, be like, I wonder what I buy this week. And just yeah. sit down in the living room, flip through, pick out what click, you click, want. Click, click, well, click, and you know. Click, click. What's nice is that you know Comicsology gives you that three-page preview, so you can take a look and see if you like the artwork. And yeah, you know, I I uh, I'm, I re- I my it is really changing my my buying habits. And you never have committed, to. You're not yeah, committed to buy exactly. an issue of a book that you don't want to buy. Right. You never have to sneak it. You never have to sneak it back on the shelf <laughs> when people aren't looking. Yeah. Well, you and never, the best part about it, you don't have to find a place to put it. Yeah, you, you don't, don't have to find yeah. long boxes, storage units, shit like that. Give it away to kids. <laughs> I mean, you know, use it to line the bird's cage. Yeah. yeah. A, I don't know. I still I like the feel of the physical book better still. I like going to the comic shop because I like talking to the uh, the people that are there and I like flipping through the books that I'm not going to buy or the books that I'm thinking about buying. Like, uh, you know, I hear there's a big reveal of here's what the joker is going to look like so i can pick it up and flip through it and see what it looks like and then put it back yeah the only yeah, but thing see, you're gonna get all that on the internet anyway so that's you know i'm like if, if there's the the main frustration i have with some you're gonna books, get that for the big stuff but the small stuff the internet doesn't care about true i think my main frustration is gonna be if i ever went full digital which i really i gotta be honest i really want to is going to be the odd book that doesn't come out digitally right and now most books do, but every once in a while, like The Shadow Number 2 Exactly, or still isn't available digitally. <laughs> doesn't come out digitally, yeah. and it's like, what and, the hell? And you know what that did to me on Shadow? I'm not buying it anymore. Yep. Yeah. That's what happened to me on Shadow. I mean, I don't know why Dynamite uh, did what they did, but I loved issue one of The Shadow. They did not offer it digitally, and I'm no longer picking up Shadow. Buying the ass out of The, the Spider, though. You know, I mean, I love the spider, which is all available digitally. So let me tell you how much I like reading things on my iPad. I I can't read anything that's not on my iPad anymore. It's like for for, for church, we're we're doing this reading program, right? I I can't actually sit down and read the actual book. But if I pull it up on my iPad, I have a digital copy on there. I'll just sit down and read for hours. Yeah. There's something about the aesthetics and enjoyment for it that I, I have actually trouble reading regular books now. Well, and, you know, as, as somebody who travels for work, you know, oh yeah, I used to pack and, and when I when I'd go on the road for a week, I'd put you know five trades in my backpack, you know, or in, in my in my suitcase, and now it's just my iPad. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. It is the convenience of it is crazy, and you know, like you said, for me, the, my opinion is, if I really want to keep a story, I don't want to. I don't want the floppies anymore. Right. I will buy the it. trade or the hardback. That's what I did with the the Batman Court of Owls. Yeah, the first seven issues or whatever of that book, I owned them all. Mm-hmm. Well, I owned all the 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 hard floppies. copies, floppies, oh, but yeah. I gave them away, and I Thank got you. the hard. Co- Thank cover. you, Paul. By the way, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's what I'm doing with Batman now. Like, I, you know, I buy the book. Is that a title, Batman Now? Batman now, Batman now, you know, but that's, that's basically what I'm going to do, you know, and I'm going to do it more and more with it. Whenever new books come out, I'm just going to get them digitally. And if I like the storylines, you know, I'll, I will have my digital copy, but if I like it enough that I want that hard copy, hard copy of it, I'll buy the hardcover. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I, I, I do hold with Wayne that, I mean, I real really love the sense of community I've got at my comic shop. I love my comic shop guy. I like talking to him every week. Uh, and that does keep me coming back. It's the only reason. It is so. the only reason. Sure. I mean, if I, if I, if I was in a situation like Andrew, where there was a, a rotten shop where I didn't enjoy my comic shop guy, I would be whole on fully digital. You know, and not look back because, you know, I keep thinking, well, you know, I could go full digital and just buy my trades there. But let's be honest. If you're buying your trades at the comic shop, you're spending money that you don't have to spend. Yeah. You know, because there are so many other cheaper places to get your books unless your your comic shop is having a great sale like Zeus Comics is having right now. Everything's 50 percent off. Uh, and my comic know. shop guy does give me 20 percent off. Yeah. And if the difference is negligible. Then I right. will get it at my comic shop. Same here. Same here. But but I mean sometimes you know when it's a hundred dollar well, absolute edition and you can get it for sixty dollars on Amazon. Well, and take a look at what the prices were on Amazon for the Batman and Detective Comics hardcovers that you know came out collecting the, the first arc in the New Fifty Two. Ridiculously those, good. Those were like forty percent off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, okay, I'm just going to buy these at Amazon, and I won't mention it or look directly in Richard's eye at Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, of course support your local comic shop. I mean, local comic shops, you know, are great. They need the business, and they're the, keeping the hobby alive. But, you know, I, I – for convenience, it's just – it is so convenient to read your comics digitally. If you have a good comic shop, support your comic shop. But yeah, I'm, I'm not. I've, I've decided I just don't support crappy comic shops anymore. Because I used to go to, you know, when Wayne and I, we used to talk on the podcast. We would say, oh well, I hit my comic shop, and then I went to another comic shop to get this book, and then I went to another comic shop to get this book. No more, no more. Yeah. <laughs> now I go to my one comic shop. If I don't get it there, I get it digitally. I, I have to say I've done the same. I only go to the one comic shop now, and if if for some reason it didn't have a book. I look for it digitally, and if it's not digital, I just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 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 happy, and it, you know, it, it's keeping me from buying some really crappy books, other than AVX number ten. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it's keeping me buying good books like Daredevil. Yeah. And Daredevil number seventeen came out this week, written by Mark Wade and featuring art by Mike Allred from Madman. I, I I assume it was awesome as always. I loves me some Mike Alred. See, I don't really like Mike Alred art. Yeah, the art kind of threw me just because it was different. Oh, but was it, was his, flash, uh, it was a flash. It was his first issue. So. Yes, it was. He uh, Mike Alred, for those of you who don't know, is the artist for uh, Madman Comics, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I really, I, I think, in the style that this run of Daredevil has employed, you know, Javier Polito and and uh, Chris Somney. Um, I think he fits in very nicely. Don't get me wrong. I need my Chris Somney back, but uh, I, I really enjoyed the the pencils on this book. And I thought it fit well with the story, with it being a flashback to a ridiculous villain like Stiltman. Yeah, I, I agree. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't bother me because it was a flashback, but if it were continuing the regular story, it might have bothered me. It might have jarred it a little bit, Right. taking some getting used to. I, I have to say, as much as I've loved the Daredevil run, this book wasn't a big hit for me. It wasn't a bad book. It was a good story, but I want to see what happens next. And a flashback wasn't what I wanted for this issue. But I thought that the, the flashback was important because it it moved the story forward. 
You know, it wasn't just it wasn't like one of those, you know, flashbacks you would see back in the 70s and 80s in Marvel Comics where it would be a flashback reprint. You know, this was a new story and it it followed similar beats that are going on in the current relationship between Foggy and Daredevil. Um, One of the things I thought was really interesting about this book, there's the scene where Daredevil is fighting Stiltman and he has, you know, he's being drugged by Stiltman across the city, right? And Stiltman hurls a uh, uh, New York Police Department helicopter into the side of a building. You know, uh, many stories up in the air. Daredevil doesn't even look back to go and, and, and see if he can save a survivor or anything like that. So you just know that, that whoever was in that helicopter fell to their deaths. Did you notice that on that page? Yeah, Spider-Man would have shot a web. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, Daredevil, maybe it's in the director's cut, Aaron. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be in that Daredevil sizzle uh, teaser that you know came out. Sizzle reel? Yeah, sizzle reel. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a very good flashback. I love the uh, him getting to see his father. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool moment, and I really I did enjoy the book. It just it's one of those things where uh, it's like it ended on a cliffhanger last time, and it's. Kind of dancing around the cliffhanger. I, see, but I don't but, think so because it, it, you know, Daredevil remembers this. You know, he's thinking about a similar situation. You know, where where he and Foggy were at odds, and then at the end of it, after he's kind of relived that that moment in his head, he's like, "No, somebody's fucking with me, and I'm going to go take care of this because I'm comfortable with who I am." And at the end of the previous issue, he was he, he he had just had his senses broken and gotten them back, was expecting to go back and everything's cool at the firm and Foggy essentially fires him. Um, you know, severs their, their you know, terminates their partnership and kicks him out to the street. And it, you know, he he has made an emotional jump forward. So I mean, it this did move the story forward. It did move the story forward, but again, I I just wanted to see more fallout of that. I, I wasn't uh, – when I picked up the book, I wasn't expecting a flashback, and it, it kind of felt like uh, – I said it felt like a road bump in the story. It was a good road bump. Like I said, I enjoyed the story, and it did move it along a bit, but I wanted I wanted it directly dealing with it, not remembering a similar situation. Well, I, I just I think I think the last panel really sold this book. You know, he, Daredevil says to himself, "You know, I'm not letting anyone threaten what I finally have after all these years and years of being beaten down for the first time in a long while. I like my life. I like who I am. I'm a winner. I just I I really enjoyed this book. How about you, Paul? No, I agree. I thought it was a I I, I enjoyed the writing. I'm not a big Mike Allred fan, but I did enjoy the writing very much. Um, you know, yeah, it didn't move the story forward significantly, but I thought it was, I thought this was a good place to have this kind of story, mm-hmm. you know, that shows how important Foggy is to him and why he's going to fight for that. And, you know, everyone's like, you may be thinking, well, we already know how important Foggy is to him. Yeah, we do. But the average reader of Daredevil in this current volume doesn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. I guess a good and, way to put it is it rolled the story forward, and I was expecting him to slam on the gas. Yeah, but sure. I think we're going to get that next issue with the villain, the Coyote. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> and, is Daredevil uh, going to catch him stealing a suit? He might. Is Daredevil think, being mind-controlled? 
<laughs> I think Daredevil's going to have a new sidekick after this issue named the Pocket Square. <laughs> uh, perhaps, perhaps. I, I, I did. I was amused by the scene where uh, you know Foggy is is boxing up Matt's things, and he is handling Jack Murdoch's skull, you know, with his bare hands. I don't know that I would actually do that. <laughs> I, I, a, no, I don't know. Pussy. <laughs> you, sit, you sit down to pee there, Aaron? Walk around your parasail around uh, the office every day? You enjoy wearing your dress uh, while you're not touching school? That's a nice callback. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so... But, to kind of wrap up our comic book discussion this week, uh, we come to Saga, not Sega, Saga number six from Image Comics, uh, you know, written by Brian K. Vaughn with art by Fiona Staples. And what'd you think, Aaron? I love this book. I love this book every time it comes out. I think this book is fantastic. One of the top three books being published today. I want to tell you the best line of the book is when Hazel, our narrator, says, and that's when my grandparents came to live with us. <laughs> yeah, I, that was fantastic. That I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but uh, you know, it was a fantastic story. I think it's I, I really like where they're going with the multiple storylines that yeah. are, are laid out. Uh, but did you read the letters page? Oh, no, I did not. So I believe it was on the letters page where uh, Brian K. Vaughn uh, is basically saying that uh, this is going, you know, six kind of brings a nice little resting place to the different storylines. Uh, and it's going to be a couple months before number seven comes out. No. Yeah. Essentially, he says that, you know, they talk about the trade, uh, which you probably like me are going to pick up is coming out. Uh, and then right after the uh, trade, uh, it's going to be a nine ninety nine dollar trade, by the way, for the first six issues. Wow. Uh, according to this. Um, but then in November, the, after they've kind of caught up a little bit, uh, we should expect number seven to come out, which this this worries me, though. It, I'm, I'm you know, Where I like will I, you go for your depravity in the meantime. Exactly. Uh, you know, I like how they're taking the time. They wanted to have a good product. They don't want to rush. They don't want to have a different artist because I, I really don't want to see another artist besides Fiona Staples on yeah, it. No, she's rocking this. Yeah. And, and it, this is the type of story where you need the same art style consistently. Right. So I'm, I'm glad they're taking their, their time to put it out good. But I also remember what Ron Mars has written before on his CBR uh, strip back around when Magdalena ended, which was, you know, once you miss a couple months. You know, yeah. the sales go down and becomes right. a, a loop and because I'd also want this comic to succeed. Yeah, no, I, I, I do, too. And like I said, it is it. I, I, I strongly feel it's one of the best comics being published today. I mean, it is so different. It is so well written. It is so well drawn, you know, and certainly there are all kinds of weird things going on in this universe. But there are characters that you can really hook into. And I think there's a character here for everybody, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, I, I just, man, and, and I feel so much for some of these characters. I, I, I think this is just a fantastic book. Yeah, I mean, you got the whole you know Prince Robot storyline. You got the uh, Hazel and her parents, and now grandparents going on. And then you've got, of course, the Will. Yeah, and the Will. I mean, he's breaking my heart in this book. I mean, you know, he's he's trying so hard to uh, 
raise the money that he needs to go save that girl that's that's you know being held as a sex slave at the sextillion and he can't put it together you know and he's this has been two issues that he's trying to put something together but the stock was killed by prince robot and you know he tells prince robot you know listen to my voice boy yeah, yeah. i aim to murder you yeah. right after i murder everything you ever loved yeah <laughs> i mean it's a great panel well, I like how later Prince Robot gets chastised by his the secret agent guy. You just you just can't kill him. <laughs> yeah, we we got to work with these people. You just can't waste them for no reason. Anyway, uh, I, I I think this is just a great book. Yeah, I I agree too, and I I hope you know I like I said I'm glad they're taking the the time to keep putting out the the level of quality that they have been, but. I just hope it doesn't adversely affect their sales numbers. But I think having a nine ninety nine trade yeah. come out right before they come back with seven, uh, I think that'll be a good way to get, get people who maybe have not read it interested and then start picking up the weekly book. Completely agree. Mm-hmm. Though I have to admit, I have not read Fatal since the break after the first storyline. Was the first was the break after number six? I think it was after each issue five or six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll have to see if uh, we all jump back board on Superbia because oh, it's coming I'm, back as an ongoing. I will be on yes. that like white on rice. I will be there. So the question really for next week, Aaron. Sir. Will you be picking up Rocketeer Cargo of Doom number one by Mark Wade and Chris Somney? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm probably going to have to buy that twice. You actually had to ask that question <laughs> Have you seen the preview pages for that book? Yes. Oh my yes, god! I will be beautiful up as well next yeah. week. You know what? It, it occurs to me that it's the same creative team that's going to be doing Daredevil, Mark Wade and Chris Somney, yeah. hmm. and with a completely different style for the book. Oh yeah, the art is very different than Daredevil. Will you be picking up Superman number twelve? Why would I do something like that? No, nope. picked up Superman number eleven. Yeah, and look how that treated me. <laughs> Better than AVX, no, better than AVX, and uh, not better than AVX number ten though. Eh, I thought ten was better. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. What so, else is coming up, Paul? Anything else interesting next week? Before Watchmen, Doctor Manhattan comes out yeah. next week. Oh. I'm picking up the first issue. I said I would pick up the first issue of all of them. You did. Um, Amazing Spider-Man five ninety two for five ninety nine. Uh, well, I'm in. It'll be a big hit, but I'm in. And Justice League Dark number 12. Oh, yeah. See what happens with the Dr. Faust, Dr. Mist. I like how I like how all the evil guys are doctors in that story. Now, <laughs> now Paul sent me a couple of uh, Justice League Dark com- comics. Ooh, yeah. And uh, so I'm going to read those and see if I want to pick up number 12. Did you, Paul, did you send him the stuff that starts with the most recent storyline? Pretty sure, yeah, that I sent him the Jeff Lemire stuff. Yeah. Good. You, you didn't send me the crap that came before Jeff Lemire, right? No, I didn't own any of the crap that came before <laughs> Jeff Lemire. <laughs> Just I bought issue one, and then I was out. Now, okay. we did get okay. a correction on the blog that it's pronounced Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire. Oh, really? Yes. Did Jeff Lemire correct us? Uh, no, it was uh, one of his, uh, one of his uh, followers, I, I assume. Couldn't be somebody who listens to us. <laughs> well, if it was... Uh, if it wasn't him, then I, I'll just keep pronouncing it however I want to. <laughs> Until he tells me otherwise. We gotta source this. <laughs> so it's Jeff Lemire. Yes. Lemire. Was it Hopeless Lemire. who did that? I, it may have been. I'm going to the blog right now. <laughs> who else would it have been, Paul? 
Uh, also next week is America's Got Powers number three, which I know I will be reading. It's been a long time since number two, hasn't it? Yeah, you want to talk about delays? Talk about that book. Hmm. All right. Well, I think that about wraps us up for the week. Does it? Aaron's, does does it, it? Does that it wrap must, us up for the week? Or must, or or or, or do or. I need to remind people that if you're listening to this episode right now, our sandbox uh, it, it our sandbox episode <laughs> for season two of Knights of Rainsboro has already dropped. In which uh, we, exactly, you know, and we invite a brand new character into the Knights of Rainsboro. Are you sure that if oh. they're listening to this right now, it's not going to drop on Friday? No, no. If they're listening to it right now, it has already dropped. Already. Huh. What do you got to drop it, Eric? Well, it <laughs> will drop before this one. Sunday night, then, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're so coy about it. <laughs> You've established this routine of Friday releases, and that, now you throw us a curveball. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Bam. All right. Look at that. No delays. No delays on this. Yeah. yeah. No delays. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> Bye, everybody. All right. Uh, see you next week. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>